Thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Word of the day with Rob Hill. Oh my God, a plebe. <laughs> we should do that. Oh my God, an ordinary person who lacks the knowledge of an insider? These guys look like plebes. Are we recording this? <laughs> we should be. Oh my gosh. Okay, are we ready? <clears throat> yes. I need to reset my clock. <laughs> you want the plebe to do that for you? Keep track of time? Yeah, if you would. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today is March 26, 2019, and my co-host is Megan Kazak, Communications Coordinator for the City of Stillwater. So how are we doing today, Megan? I'm doing well. I think, you know, we just got done with the spelling bee in, the, uh, in We're teaching office. new words to, mm-hmm. to staff members. Yes, That's... and so popular the first time that he, we have brought him back for a second episode. Okay, we have with us... Uh, Plebe of emergency management, <laughs> Rob Hill. Plebeian director. Yes, he, <laughs> Rob learned a new word today. Uh, anyway, we are here to talk about a severe weather. Let's go ahead and get started. Not that we need to be loosened up, but let's do a lightning round and ask Rob some random but revealing questions. Are you ready, Rob? I'm ready, Rob. Right. Ready, Rob. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> All right, so. If you were famous, what would you be famous for other than Facebook Live um, <laughs> episodes? Well, that, uh, those Facebook Lives on Severe Weather Day, I think people live for them now. I think people like, want one every day. I don't day. want to leave the house until I see if Rod slides off the road. I just need like a traffic update. Like, like uh, daily. Pl- like traffic yeah. is light. Yeah, what time oh, do yeah. I need to leave the house today, you Rod? You know, it's, it's funny. We, we started those... Um, we, it was so subjective when we told people to stay home, stay off the roads, because um, some people drive very well in adverse conditions and some don't. And and we started doing those Facebook Live videos, and um, people really appreciated it because they could see what it looked like yeah. for themselves, and they could make mm-hmm. their own determination if they needed to stay home, or if this was something that you know, hey, this is going to be no problem. They could they could handle. So right. um, we kind of stumbled onto a success and. And um, we, we received a, um, an email, actually, the other day as a result of one of our past um, Facebook Lives from somebody that follows us regularly. And um, she commented that um, one of the biggest differences um, that we do over what the local news media channels do is we do commentary. Yeah. We mm-hmm. let people know what's going on, what we see, um, what we're experiencing versus just being able to see a camera and seeing what's going on out the front mm-hmm. window of a vehicle. So, right. Yeah. So, um like we talked about the other day in the office, we kind of stumbled onto something, but but now then people expect it on the all yeah. the time. So um, we'll have to work at managing that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it was it was definitely helpful. But back to the question: So all if right. you were famous, what would you be famous for? Winning the lottery. Okay. Yes. That's if what I, you. <laughs> that's what I'd be famous for: winning the lottery. So I'd what like, would you spend the money on? <clears throat> well. First thing would be emergency management would have all brand new vehicles and equipment. So you'd continue working? Oh, I'd continue to work, but I'd spend a lot of my money here at work. Ah, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'd try to improve the city mm-hmm. um, emergency management department and then um, set up a, a way so that um, the city could be a direct benefit of, of um, um, 
Oh, annual annual interest rates and stuff like that so that ah. they can be, help them be self-sustained. But absolutely, I'm keeping working. All right. I've got Facebook Live, and i got to get out of my plebe state. <laughs> plebe. Yeah. New I, word for Rob. Yeah, i got to get out of my plebe state. No, you're not a plebe. But we do have another question. So this is interesting because you we asked you the lottery question. You mm-hmm. said lottery. And, yep. and the next question we're going to ask is, what would your no, wait, dream wait, house? Wait, just a minute. On the lottery, for clarification. I want to win a billion dollars. Well, sure. Like, mm-hmm. why bother I just, otherwise? Now, now I'm not $5. Not a $5 <laughs> lottery. Not a scratch-off. A big one. You want, you want like, billion. B- billion. Billion. B. Yeah. Me yeah, too. Yeah. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep, I did. All right. So you said, what would my dream house be like? Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, it would be a cabin in the woods um, so I like that I like that show that's on TV called Mountain Man, and one of the guys lives up in um, northern Montana, right at the Canada border, mm-hmm. and he lives in a log cabin with his wife, and he goes hunting every day and and fishing and, yeah. and stuff like that. That's but the life. That would be the life. Mm-hmm. So if I won the lottery, I wouldn't quit and I wouldn't move to the mountains, but that would be my dream home too. Yeah. And would there be so. a safe room or a, a storm shelter in the in the cabin? The I don't, cabin? I don't think in Montana they don't Not have tornadoes. Not in Montana. No, they have lots of snows. <laughs> so I might have a snowmobile, but I wouldn't. Uh, I don't you wouldn't worry I'd about have. tornadoes. No, I wouldn't worry They'd about have tornadoes. Other, other emergencies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into like the real stuff. Um, so um, remind us again, what is emergency management? And what do you do? Well, that's that's kind of a complicated answer, it but, is. but in the but in the short answer, um, our primary responsibility in our department is to ensure that the city government is prepared for and ready to respond to any type of emergency. Um, the second part of it that's just as important is to ensure that the community, the citizens, the the business owners, the people that live here, work here, go to school here, and stuff are are as prepared also right and so today we're going to really focus on uh severe weather with uh you know it being spring and and the possibility for bad weather um so where do you get your information your the weather information you share uh on the various platforms that you're on so um it's a it's an open site it's from the national weather service in in norman and um, we also receive some from tulsa as well but um, it, it's open. It's it's something that anybody can access. We just access it in a different way. We yeah. we have a satellite feed that comes into the office. We also have a specialized um, internet website that we go to that pulls that information in, and that's what provides us. And then we have a system downstairs that takes all that information, runs it through an aggregator, and then sends it back out to staff so that we can know when, when something is happening or about to happen within the community. <coughs> So um, so you take that information and then you share it with the residents. Yeah, so we take it, we look through it, we look to see what um, is beneficial to the community, and we share it on our social media platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we share it there. We, um, we will oftentimes send out emails mm-hmm. to staff. Um, because we have people working out in the field oh, who, absolutely. who aren't – paying attention to the weather so so it so you know what you're taking care of staff as much as you are the yeah, residents so, so the same principle as is what does our department do mm-hmm. um we're, we're always doing the same thing we're always taking care of the city staff and we're always taking care of the community right. so so it's always a twofold but yeah we we take that information and and um pass that out and distribute it <coughs> so uh 
So one of the ways that you would share uh, severe weather would be the uh, outdoor warning system. Yes. So how does that work again? So currently the way we're set up and the way policy is written, um, we have storm spotters that are out in the field that, that are trained. They go out, they watch for severe weather. Anytime we see something that could impact our community, whether it be high winds, whether it be um, tornadoes, whether it be um, anything that could cause damage or or cause um, injury or, or cost somebody their life, um, those spotters relay that information to us. We activate the outdoor warning system. Um, the really cool thing that we have here in the city, though, is we have our mass notification system. And the way that's set up is that um, people that subscribe to that, that um, um, go to, um, yeah, Be Informed Stillwater um, is the name of that program. They sign up for it, and they can choose to receive those weather notifications. Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing is the same information that we receive as staff in the emergency management department that we relay back out to the community. It's the same information that somebody that has signed up for Be Informed Stillwater can receive. Tornado warnings, thunderstorm warnings. Um, winter weather warnings, floods, all types of different information, and they can sign up for that and receive it just like what we do. <coughs> so, um, so by signing up for that, they're going to get that information. So, why do we need this outdoor stormwater warning system? So, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, the two go hand in hand. So, one of the things that when we look at storm sirens, we look at the apps, we look at um, social media platforms. Um, what we do is we consider those all tools in the toolbox. So somebody that may be outside working, whether it's in the middle of the night, because mm-hmm. we do have um, all types of jobs that require people to be outside of a, of a nighttime, people during the daytime, all those different hours, we activate those storm sirens so that um, it can notify the people that are outdoors that may mm-hmm. be away from TV, may be away from their phone. Um, may not be getting that immediate life safety information, so um, we activate the outdoor warning systems. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the ways that you can tell um, that it's a true emergency and not just uh, maybe a malfunction or an accidental activation of some sort um, is um, we follow the activation up with the threat. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear the storm sirens; they'll come up, they'll 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 um, sound for three minutes, and then we make the announcement afterwards that it's the city of Stillwater, it's the emergency management department, and that there is a tornado warning and people need to take shelter immediately. Okay. Um, so, but, and you test those like once a month, every we two do. months? We try what to, is it? We try to test them once a month. We try to test them on the first Tuesday of every month at 1130. Um, sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate. Um, we've received um, feedback from the community at uh, different times of people um, letting us know that um, the day after a severe weather event has gone through, even though the, the sun is shining, is not a good time to do it because people are still on edge from the right. night before. Mm-hmm. Um, we've received notification that when the sky is, is kind of cloudy or, or the sky is broken um, with clouds that they don't want to have the storm siren sound because they don't know if there's um, an immediate emergency that they haven't seen or they're not aware of. So we try to we try to shoot for those bluebird days mm-hmm. and um, try to activate them on those days. And if we can't do it on that first Tuesday, then we go to that following Thursday, and then we just keep leapfrogging Tuesdays and Thursdays until, until we get, get the done. test done. Mm-hmm. And we have gone where we've done it the whole month and tested them one week, and the very next week was the first of the month and tested them the second week. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, but. 
that Tuesday Thursday pattern is when you hear it, it's usually a test. At eleven thirty. Yeah, yes. At eleven thirty. At eleven thirty, and there's no announcement. Okay, that's the important thing. Yeah. So, so an activation at eleven thirty on a Tuesday or Thursday is a test. Um, if we followed it up with an announcement, there's an immediate life safety threat. I did not realize that, so that's actually something very good to know. Um, another thing is, you know, this time of the year, as people they start anticipating these storm these storm seasons mm-hmm. and whatnot, we get a lot of questions about like, well, where do I go if you know if they think that we're going to have a tornado watch or something like that, and where where do I go? Is there a storm shelter in town? And can I and, take my pet? And yeah, where can I? So that's that's a very good question. Um, for the last couple of years, maybe maybe as many as four, um, public storm shelters have been phased out. Um, more and more people um, have have gone to storm shelters, and storm shelters have been overrun with people, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been enough room for them. Or there's there's all there's all kinds of things that go into um, when you have a public storm shelter, and and one of the things is um, a parking is there enough parking b mm-hmm. will people get there in time c will there be enough room for them um pe- some people like to take their fur babies and they want to take them with mm-hmm. them and and not all not everybody in that storm shelter um you know is is okay with that some people have allergies things that they absolutely cannot help mm-hmm. and um animals can can cause them to go into an emergency um or a uh, excuse me a uh, reaction um, anaphylactic shock or something like that that causes an emergency within that storm shelter that makes it very difficult for first responders to get to. Then if you want to look at the more serious side, um, some of the things that have been pointed out and things that have actually even gone to court for litigation are um, things like uh, child pedophiles will go yeah. to storm shelters and prey upon the innocent, and, and those are things that are very difficult. Um, so law enforcement, emergency medical, you know, all those things come into play when, when we look at trying to have um, public storm shelters. First of all, the city's not capable. We, we don't have a facility large enough, um, one that meets the FEMA requirements. And what we've been reduced to is to asking the community to shelter in place. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you take a family that lives in a, in a uh, mobile home, and they know that the weather's going to be severe, um, we would just simply ask that if they have friends that have a more sturdy structure that they go there early mm-hmm. and, and, and hang out until mm-hmm. the, the weather threat has passed. Um, uh, go, to, go to a family members, go to a friend's, mm-hmm. somewhere that's safe. Um, you know, a lot of people will have storm shelters that they will have gone through a grant program to get, and they will actually open it up and let other people in their yeah. community come too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's um, that's the nuts and bolts of public storm shelters and yeah. you know everybody wants them but when it comes down to it um, the cost associated with it to maintain it the staffing um, can it support everybody where does everybody park and then what happens if they get there and then and everything is absolutely destroyed their cars are gone and everything mm-hmm. else so there's all kinds of parameters that that look that we look at and we just ask people to shelter in yeah. place because i'm kind of in that situation i live in an apartment and i'm on a third story and mm-hmm. so that's not a place you want to be if there is a tornado right. watcher warning so i know i you know i have to think a little ahead and find okay where can i go that you know so i've asked people that i know through organizations that like if there's a shelter like do you have a basement do you have a shelter mm-hmm. just to kind of have a place that i know i can go and contact this it's a kind of in- inconvenient but at the end of the day it's your safety and kind it's of your planning life, right. yeah so um 
Yeah, I just think that we've had that question many times, and, and unfortunately, there's not a great answer for people that live in apartments. Um, you know, the, the 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 common theme for people people that lived in apartments was it was kind of communal, and everybody kind of knew each other. Mm-hmm. And that may not necessarily be true anymore. But before, um, it was suggested that people that live on those elevated floors would get to know their mm-hmm. neighbors on the lower levels, yeah. and and and, mm-hmm. and and ask them if they could come and mm-hmm. and um, stay with them while while the threat was happening or, or occurring and stuff like that. But but you know, people anymore they're more a little bit more standoffish, and they're not as not as open to open their home and stuff so um, it does make it challenging and we we understand the challenges but unfortunately we just don't have a good um, a good uh, way to to mitigate that problem Mm -hmm. but yeah you're absolutely right Um, planning is is key Mm -hmm. Um, you know a lot of people say you know go to OSU because they have all the big buildings with basements Mm -hmm. and um, but I'm not sure that those buildings are necessarily open so <clears throat> the way OSU works, OSU is structured in a way that they will go by and open those facilities, but they're opening them for students, for mm-hmm. residents that live on campus that mm-hmm. are attending school, for staff, um, for um, For people who are already on, on campus. For, for people who belong there, yes. Yeah. For people that are associated with the OSU campus. And um, that's that's what that's for now. That information will always get out every spring, and people say, oh, we'll go to the OSU campus. Now, they're not going to turn people away, but at the same time, um, it is designed. They are opening those facilities um, for people that live on campus, mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're not called storm shelters. They're called areas of refuge now. Mm-hmm. Um, because storm shelter implies that it's built to a certain specific criteria that makes it um, worthy of the the worst storm possible, right. and that's not what this is. These these are areas of refuge that um, people can just take shelter in and hope for the best. Right. So, um, so you mentioned like a real storm shelter, and that people have uh, used federal grants and stuff to get them mm-hmm. put in their yards or wherever their garages. <coughs> so. Um, we do have a registration form on we the do. website. Mm-hmm. How does that work? And so, like, I have a storm shelter. Let's say that I got into my shelter and I was never seen again. Would you come and look for me? Is well, that is that what it if, is if, that what that means whenever you, I'm registering it? If you yes, if you register. So um, the way this works is on the web page we have a map interface, and what you do is you you come to the web page at storter.org and and you type in register storm shelter and, and it'll take you to the to the page you type in your address and you don't hit enter you hit the arrow button and it will populate a balloon over where the map thinks your mm-hmm. house is right now, here's the catch a lot of people go well that's not my house the, the map's off a little bit you can actually drag that balloon and move it to where your house is mm-hmm. to to get it mm-hmm. wherever you move the balloon it updates the um the coordinates uh-huh. the latitude longitude coordinates for us um, you drop the balloon you go to um, you scroll down to the bottom of the page you fill out some information your name your address contact information anything specific like the neighbors come to my house or um, you know um, maybe um, maybe some somebody else has access to your shelter when you're not there stuff like that so you can okay. put any, anything you want in there and um, let us know. And then what happens is <clears throat> if we have an event that comes through that causes damage, we can turn that layer on in our, in our GIS mapping that shows where those storm shelters are at. 
If we get a call of concern for a location, we will go by and check that storm shelter. If we haven't heard from you, we assume that everything's okay. Right. So, so I'm going to go one more step further. Okay. So, so you're in the system. We can, right. We can populate the map to show the damage versus where the storm shelters are at. But we need you to tell somebody else in town what your plan is and where you're going. So if after an event, mm-hmm. if they don't hear from you, they contact the police department, whether it be an emergency mm-hmm. line or just a, a, a business line, contact the, emer- or the police department or the emergency management office and say, hey, listen, I have this plan or I have my, I have my friend's plan. We haven't heard from them after the storm, after the storm came through. And we need somebody to go by and check on them. Yeah. So, because there are absolutely so many storm shelters in our database that there's no way we could possibly go to all of them. And a lot of people have neighbors that do come over and check on them. And, right. You know, sometimes limbs fall on the door and they can't get out. And, you know, um, so we encourage you to have a charged cell phone device. We encourage you to have other ways to communicate. Mm-hmm. But. But, um, yeah, you have to share your plan with somebody so that somebody can make that call on your behalf. All right. That's good information. Uh, Is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to talk about today concerning severe weather, safety? um, One of the things that we try to encourage everybody, and I mean when I say everybody, I mean we have them in city facilities. We, um, we encourage um, home residents to have them. We encourage businesses to have them. But there are no weather radios. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier we talked about where do we get our information from and, and um, what do we do with our information. Well, again, it's the same information that we receive, that yeah. you can receive. You can know what we know when we know it. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have that no weather radio, we can program it for you. We can make sure it's on the right channel. There's all kinds of things that we can do. But also at the same time, they're very easy to program. So you get them, you put four batteries in them. Um, you know, you can buy them at almost any retail outlet store in Stillwater. Um, I think the average price is around $29. Um, but you change the batteries out in them mm-hmm. every time time changes. So twice a year, yeah. just like you do your smoke detectors and your CO2 detectors. You can set them for thunderstorm warnings. Um, now, the only thing you cannot do is you cannot take a tornado warning out of the lineup. I mean, it's designed mm-hmm. and built to receive a signal. And one of the, one of the most awesome things that we have is we have a transmitter here in Stillwater. It's very powerful. Right. And so it'll penetrate um, in the deepest basements. I mean, even downstairs where we were kind of in a blacked out location, it gets through. Right. So we would encourage everybody to have a NOAA weather radio. All right. That is something to think about. And if you don't have one, I, Rob says get one. Good enough for me. The um, the only other thing I can think of that I'd like to add is, is um, when we post on social media, we, for a severe weather event, we will post right up till the event starts, and then we encourage you to find a weather channel, an internet source, an app, or something that you can watch, because usually staff is so busy um, trying to take in all the information from the field, from the weather service, trying to process that, and trying to determine what mm-hmm. our next um, step is as far as notifying the community through maybe an outdoor warning system, um, through social media, through 
um, radio override, something like that. But but our philosophy here is, is Stillwater is always first. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you can see where you can watch a local news station, and as soon as the weather moves into their area, they, they quit showing um, the Stillwater area. Right. And one of our things is we, we always focus, and we only focus on Stillwater. We don't focus on anybody else. That is our main objective. So um, on our social media sites, it's only about Stillwater. And if they're trying to get personalized information from you you're sometimes too busy to answer on social media absolutely absolutely so when you send us those messages um, and those questions you know we uh, sometimes it'll take us a day or two to get through all those responses to find out so um, if if there is severe weather in the area and you haven't got a response from us you know in a short amount of time um, it's probably because we're very busy and we're trying, we're working through an event, and we would encourage you to, to go to your local favorite uh, weather station or source and find out what's going on. Um, the other thing that we're going to do this year that we're really going to kick off is um, we're teaming with um, Triple Play Sports Radio, mm-hmm. and on days where we have moderate and high risk categories um, forecasted for our area. Um, their staff will come in when our staff does, and they will do live broadcasts and live interrupts oh. on the radio. And that is new, isn't from, it? From, yeah, wow. from downstairs. So um, that um, whatever we have going on, they they are a part of. They mm-hmm. see the they see the products that we receive. They see the map that we have access to, and then they can break in over the radio at, at maybe commercial breaks, you know, initially, but then um, they're prepared to go wall-to-wall wow. um, to provide up-to-minute coverage um, if we actually have something happening. So um, I honestly hope we never get to test that out, but I'm very right. glad for the partnership because of the benefit. Um, so you go to your storm shelter and, let's say, cell phone tower gets hit and, you're, mm-hmm. and, you're, and your phone doesn't work, but if you you have uh, um, an AM FM radio right. you could listen to mm-hmm. the radio station yeah because you're not blacked out because you're not blacked out and you could get that information and know when the threat is passed and that is that's probably my last thought for the day is the mm-hmm. all clear so we activate the storm sirens and we will follow that up with um, um, an announcement that says what the threat is right but when the threat is passed we don't reactivate the system Mm-hmm. When the threat is passed, we just make a public announcement that says this is an all clear. Whatever the threat was has passed, this is an all clear. And then we put it out on social media, and then we use our mass notification system for those subscribers <coughs> that are in the Be Informed system to let them know that the threat is passed and it's an all clear. Awesome. Right. I mean, that. I mean that's a lot of information covering a lot of um really important stuff mm-hmm. so um really excited about the uh team radio joining you this year so you're right uh, hopefully we don't have to use it <laughs> but that does allow um that that am fm uh broadcast which absolutely uh that seldom goes yeah. down <laughs> yeah. so well, and they're working they're working this year very diligently to partner with some people um, to get backup generators at their primary site oh. so that they can stay up too. So they're doing some things to fortify um, their operations that will allow them to stay up and, mm-hmm. and um, work as much as we work. Yeah, that's some um, great uh, public service mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for joining us again, Ready Rob, and uh, we'll have you back uh, at another important time of the year. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here and thank you for having me and and um, I'll try to live up to my plebe duties.
No, you earned your stripes today. Oh, yeah. well, thank you. All right. Well, thank you so thank much. You, Let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions in a lot of different ways, including emails, social media, even phone calls. This week, we had somebody ask, how do I report a water leak? And that seems like a really simple answer, but mm-hmm. there's quite a bit going into that. Right, Megan? Yeah. So if you have a, if you have a water or if you have a sewer leak, you can call... Um, this is the phone number, 405-533-8048 between 7 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. Um, to report any of those water or sewer issues. And then if it's after hours, if it's after that time, um, we have an after hours number um, for any water, sewer, or electric emergency, which is 405-372-3292. And so please include, it's going to ask, you know, please for a voicemail or something like that. So include the information that help us field uh, the personnel to locate and repair the leak more quickly. So that's not something that they recommend that you report online. They really want you to call. Yeah, call. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to FYI Stillwater. Yes, tune in for our next podcast. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org. And in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.